Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. Let's turn in our Bibles there to our scripture reading to Luke 16, and then we will uh, we'll be seated following that. Luke 16, we'll begin reading with verse 19. This is the familiar parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Luke 16, 19. Jesus, speaking, of course, this word of God, he said, There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tongue of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. And from this passage today, I'll bring a message entitled, Where Will You Spend Eternity? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this privilege of worship today. We thank you, Lord, as we have sung to you from our hearts, all we have is Christ. Hallelujah. And Lord Jesus, we want to thank you today that Christ is enough, that Christ is sufficient. Lord Jesus, your sacrifice for us is sufficient. Lord, thank you that your life, your resurrected life is sufficient for us. And Lord Jesus, you are our joy and you are our very life. And we praise you for this privilege of worship. And Lord, today as we look at this parable today about the rich man and Lazarus, Lord, we pray that you'll speak new and fresh truth. God, by the Spirit of God, that you'll be glorified as we hear your word, as we obey your word, as we respond. Lord, you know where people are today. Lord, we know the scripture is very clear. Every person in this room today is headed for one or the other destiny, either to heaven or to hell. And Father, I pray today that you will speak to people's hearts today by the Spirit of God, through the word of God. 
who were hearing Jesus speak this parable that day, many who thought that they were headed for heaven were in reality headed for hell. And Lord, those whom they thought were headed for hell were in fact headed for heaven because of a relationship with you. So God, speak to hearts today and awaken hearts by the work of your Spirit. Be glorified, Lord, in the outcome of of our response in this worship, Lord, to your glory. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Surveys indicate today that 71% of Americans believe in some sort of life after death. Most believe in a place. However, not surprisingly, a lot do not believe in a place called hell. And uh, Hollywood movies have helped to foster this idea uh, because uh, in the television, most people go, if they just happen because... Uh, go to hell on the television and movies, then hell is portrayed as a big joke where there's a party and people are having fun. Well, dear friend, you and I know if we believe the Word of God, and we do, that hell is not a funny place and there's nothing funny about it. You know, some people admire the life of Jesus, and we've been studying the Gospel of Luke for some time now, and people admire the teachings of Jesus, and people say, you know, if, if, uh, if people would just follow and obey the teachings of Jesus, then the world would be a better place. Well, I would ask the question, what about his teaching on hell? R.C. Sproul noted, the fact is, he said, that virtually every statement in the Bible concerning hell comes from the lips of Jesus Christ. He said we cannot take Jesus seriously without also taking seriously what he said regarding eternal punishment. There's very little about hell in the Old Testament and very little in the epistles. It is almost as if God decided that a teaching this frightening would not be received from any lesser authority than that of his own Son. Well, Jesus told this parable as, um, uh, as we have been considering the various parables, uh, and, he, and he was addressing and confronting those that day who heard him, and he, as he did in all of his, his teaching, uh, and, and particularly the, the religious people, many of whom had wrong ideas, most of whom had wrong ideas about, about eternity. They had the wrong idea about who was going to heaven, most thinking they were going, and wrong ideas about those who they thought were going to hell. Because again, you see, when they, from their perspective, hearing this story about a rich man and a very, very poor beggar, their idea was that, of course, the rich man, probably, as we see, calling Abraham father, uh, was a Jewish religious man. Uh, and so naturally, they would think that this, these riches were a, an indication of a blessing of God and that therefore he was going to heaven. On the other hand, they thought this very, very poor man, a beggar who was laid every day at, at this rich man's gates, was most likely going to hell and that this punishment and this sickness and all these terrible things that had come upon him were an indication that this man was being punished by God and it would be culminated in spending eternity in hell. And so when Jesus told this story and the roles were completely reversed in eternity, no doubt, as, as Jesus did in other teachings, they were shocked at what Jesus was teaching them. Their thinking was all wrong. 
And dear friend, I want to say to you today, many people today, their thinking is all wrong when it comes to this matter of eternity and how one has the assurance that they're going to spend eternity in heaven rather than in hell. Most people today, if you ask them, even, even if you ask them about where they're going to spend eternity, most people think if they believe in eternity uh, in heaven, they would say, oh, probably I'm going to heaven because I, they would say, well, you know, my, my good outweighs my, my bad and I know I'm not nearly as bad as this person or that person. And because I'm a church member or because uh, of my family or my heritage and because of the life that I live. Well, Jesus uh, gave some, some clear teaching in this passage, as we said, the one who spoke more about hell than any other person in all the Word of God. He taught us how we can know where we're going to spend eternity. I want you to look with me at this passage this morning and consider uh, three truths uh, to help you consider where you will spend Eternity. Notice, first of all, every person faces an eventual death. Every person faces an eventual death. First of all, when we think about death, Scripture is very clear that death is the universal consequence of sin. We studied in our class this morning on evangelism back in, in Genesis that, of course, uh, God uh, brought about this, this uh, matter of the consequence of sin because, again, it was death came as a result of sin. Before sin, there was no death. That was not God's original intent. Uh, but God told Adam and Eve, the day you eat of the fruit of it, this tree of knowledge and good and evil, you shall surely say it with me, die. You shall surely die, God said. And, and of course, they ate that fruit. They rebelled against God. They rejected the Word of God. They didn't believe God's truth. And, and therefore, they ate that fruit, and they did die. Now, they didn't fall over immediately physically dead, but the process of death began, and that moment, they did die spiritually. They were, at that moment, separated from God, because, again, that is the consequence of sin that would, again, eventually lead to their physical death as well. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, all people, because all sinned. So everyone is under uh, the curse of sin apart from Christ, and therefore the, the consequence, even for us as believers, the consequence of, of, of sin is death. And so that's the universal consequence of sin. Secondly, death comes regardless of a person's status. This parable certainly teaches that. You see, again, these two, these two men who were greatly contrasted, one obviously very wealthy uh, and one very poor. In fact, the poor man was basically taken every day uh, by someone and was left at the gate there of the rich man with hopes that this rich man would have some mercy and uh, upon this poor man and he would even perhaps feed him uh, his, uh, uh, some of his crumbs. And, uh, and, and uh, so, so you see this great contrast between their lot in life, their, their status socially, their status financially was totally, totally opposite. And when the Bible describes here those, those uh, dogs that would even come and lick the sores of this 
poor man, Lazarus. Uh, he, they're not talking about sweet little animals that came along uh, like your little puppies do, your, your uh, little pets. No, that's, they were mongrels. The Jews hated dogs. They thought of dogs in, in a very negative light. They were just wild dogs that would come. So these were not his, they were not his best friends that were coming there. And uh, so again, that, you see the contrast. One man who was very, very rich and every day he ate sumptuously and he lived to the fullest extent of enjoyment of what this world has to offer. But the Bible says that one day both of these men died. The, man, the, the poor man died and the rich man died. They were also contrasted in this. One was lost, the other was saved. Uh, we know, of course, death comes to the young. Death comes to the old. We're, we're, we're heartbroken when we hear about young people uh, who die, and we hear that so often, and, and, and we hear of t- tragic deaths of people. But we know that, again, people that we consider to be good people die. People that we know to be bad people die. Hebrews 9.27 says, And just as it is appointed for man want to die once... And after that comes judgment. So both of these men in this story are representative of all people uh, since the fall of man that, that people die. People have an appointment with death. Every one of you in this room has an appointment with death. Well, there is, of course, we know one exception, and, and uh, we're looking for him. His name is Jesus. He's coming for us as believers. And Paul talked about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we who are alive, we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with, with them to meet the Lord in the air. So the exception is if Jesus comes before we die. Amen? As one little lady I knew, way on up in her 90s, she said, I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker. And, uh, and so we are living with the anticipation of Christ's return, but other Otherwise, the Bible says if, if, if Jesus uh, delays his coming, then, then we too will face this time of death uh, in our lives, even as believers. Thirdly, I want you to say death seals our eternal destiny. Death seals our eternal destiny. Uh, when, 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 again, when death comes, one's eternal destiny is sealed forever. If you go to heaven, Scripture says here in verse uh, 23, and again in verse 26, as Abraham is responding, he says, besides, besides all this, uh, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from, this, uh, from here to you cannot. You can, and, and those, nor can those pass from there that, uh, to, to us. So again, th- this is a fixed uh, destiny. And see, it's a sealed destiny. There's, there's no such teaching as purgatory in Scripture. Matthew 25, 46, uh, Jesus said, and, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And those are the only two eternal destinies. And once the person leaves this life, breathes their last breath, their heart stops beating, they breathe their last breath, they go out into eternity, and their eternity is sealed forever and ever and ever and ever. Death seals our eternal destiny. A friend told C.S. Lewis about seeing a tombstone which read, Here lies an atheist, all dressed up and no place to go. C.S. Lewis, a former atheist, responded, I bet he wishes that were so. Because it's not. Every second, we're told, 83 people die and go out into eternity without Christ. 6,000 souls per hour. That's an estimate. But 
thousands and thousands of people, even while we're here gathering in this service today, will go out into eternity without Christ. And once they breathe their last, they will, their, their destiny will be sealed for all eternity. And dear friend, that's why the Bible, why Jesus spoke so much about hell as well as about heaven. Because again, our eternal destiny is determined with, with how we respond to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ here upon the earth. Second, I want you to see every person faces an eternal destiny. Every person faces an eternal destiny. First of all, the believer, as we see in this story, immediately goes to the place of eternal comfort. We see that, of, of course, concerning the Lazarus, because we read uh, concerning him, it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. So again, Lazarus, this poor beggar, very sick, full of sores. When he died, however, he went immediately to heaven. Now again, please don't think, well, you know, God had mercy on him because he'd had such a rough life here on earth. He'd had it so hard with all of his sickness and difficulty and, 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 and all, all of his poverty that God just had mercy on him and took him to heaven. No, no, no. He didn't go to heaven because he was poor. We know that, of course, any a poor person who rejects the Lord Jesus Christ goes to an eternal hell. Uh, so there will be poor people who are poor this side of heaven that will be in hell. On the other hand, we know there will be people who financially on this earth uh, have a relationship with Christ, glorify God, uh, even with what God has blessed them with, and don't realize they don't own what God has blessed them with, even as we saw last Sunday in, in relationship to our stewardship as believers, uh, that, that will honor God. And there were people in Scripture, of course, who were blessed wealthy, Abraham being one of those who was blessed financially and honored God with what God had blessed him with. So he's not going to heaven because he was poor. He was going to heaven because of his relationship with God, his faith relationship with God. He was trusting in the God of the Bible. And the Bible teaches that those who have repented of their sin and placed their faith in, and trust in Christ and Him alone, surrender to Him as Lord of their life, the Bible says that the moment they die, that to be absent from this body is to immediately be present with the Lord. You remember what uh, the Lord Jesus said to that thief on the cross who had repented of his sin and placed his faith in the Lord Jesus? He said what? Today you will be with me in paradise. So praise God, the Bible says that the believer immediately goes to the place of eternal comfort in the presence of the Lord. It's a real place of eternal comfort for the child of God. And of course, you know, we, uh, we think about heaven and we describe heaven. Revelation 21 gives us a beautiful description of, of heaven. And some question, well, are all those things literal? Well, if they're not, then they're more wonderful than what is described there. Amen? Because they are describing in a way that human people can picture and understand the gates of pearl, the streets of gold, the crystal sea, all the, the heaven being illuminated by the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh yes, heaven is going to be wonderful. Yes, it's going to be wonderful because those believers who have died in Christ, loved ones that we know and, and saints of old are going to be there in the presence of God. But oh dear friend, all those things and all that beauty will pale when we see the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who makes heaven what makes heaven heaven. He is what makes heaven 
beautiful and, and something that we anticipate and, and look forward to as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said in John 14, 2 and 3, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, there where, that where I am, there you may be also. Heaven is about being in the presence of Jesus. Amen? For all eternity. In Revelation 21, 3 and 4, we read, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away hallelujah amen heaven is a happy place it's a holy place it's a healthy place for all eternity and that's where those people who are going who have repented of their sin placed their faith and trust in the lord jesus christ and certainly as scripture teaches give evidence of that relationship with Christ, of the holiness of Christ, of the presence of Christ in their lives. The believer immediately goes to the place of eternal comfort. But notice also we find the unbeliever immediately goes to the place of eternal torment. The place of eternal torment. The, the rich man, the Bible says, uh, we don't read it about, about uh, the, the uh, Lazarus, the poor man. And of course, in this day, often what they would do with those of poverty was just throw their, their body uh, uh, just on the dump. Uh, but this rich man had a, a burial, no doubt. He had a fine funeral. And no doubt, as people do today, he would celebrate the, his goodness and, and celebrate his accomplishments and, and maybe admired his wealth. But notice the Bible says here, he went to Hades, the place where unbelievers go. And of course, uh, just a brief word about that. After Christ's return, after unbelievers are judged at the great white throne judgment, the Bible says that death and Hades will be cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 20, 15 says, And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Hell. And so, again, remember that these, these folks, when they heard this, they, they thought, what? This rich man going to Hades, going, being separated from God? Uh, what a shock to them because they wrongly believed that, that his wealth was an indication of God's blessing. And again, I want to remind you, he didn't go there because he was rich. Uh, he didn't go to hell because of his riches. I will say, however, that, that he gave evidence that he was lost and we see it in this story because of the way he ignored, because of the way he ignored Lazarus' hunger and health sitting right outside his house every day. Every day he was reminded and uh, reminded and, and yet he, res he did not respond. And so he gave evidence of his lostness because of his lack of compassion. And Jesus, remember, was targeting the Pharisees, remember we saw last Sunday uh, that in verse 14 that the Pharisees loved money. They were lovers of money. And they saw money uh, as, as, as really was their God. It was what caused that, that, uh, that rich young ruler to reject the Lord Jesus. He was unwilling to uh, turn from the God of money to follow the Lord Jesus. Money was his idol. Money was his God. And so God was reminding them through the Lord Jesus here again that, that they cannot serve, as we saw last Sunday, God and money. And, and that's exactly what this man was doing. He was serving 
money as his God. The love of, script, the love of money, says 1 Timothy, is the root of all kinds of, of evil. And ultimately the worst evil of all, and that is the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what in this story again this man had done. He had rejected God as Lord of his life. So again, he trusted in his riches. He trusted in his riches instead of God. And, 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 he's, and, and so now he winds up in what we know to be hell. Hell, of course, is described as a place of extreme and eternal suffering. We could look at many passages, again, spoken from the Lord Jesus himself. Matthew 13, 49 and 50 says, it, So it will be at the end of the age that angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What a contrast to heaven, a place where the Bible says that God will wipe away every tear. Oh, but in hell, dear friend, the Bible says there will be weeping and there will be gnashing of teeth. And in Matthew 25, 41, Jesus described it this way. He will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal eternal, eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And in Mark chapter 9 verse 48, Jesus said that the, in this place, this place of eternal torment, the body is never consumed by the flame. Hell is a terrible place. It's a place of torment, a place of separation, a place of utter, outer darkness, a place of suffering, Scripture says, forever and ever. Hell is not some big party. And dear friend, again, because we have compassion, we don't want people to go there because it is a place of eternal separation. And though there are people are there separated from God and from one another forever and ever. First, Second Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9 says, In flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. So how is it that people go to hell? The Bible makes it very clear in 2 Thessalonians. They do not know God and they do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is the gospel they do not obey? They do not obey the gospel that tells us that Jesus loved us and died for us and, and, and paid the, our debt in full upon the cross because we are separated from God, sinners separated, deserving hell forever, not obeying that gospel that Jesus died and was suffered and took the holy wrath of God upon himself, became sin for us, was buried, rose again, is alive today, and that through repentance, turning from sin, faith, placing our trust in Christ and Christ alone to save us, we can be saved. Those who are in hell will be there because they do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says they again will be separated from him from the presence of the Lord for all eternity. Dear friend, that is a, a tragic truth given to us, but an absolute truth and a deserving truth upon those who have reject the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to see, thirdly, every person faces an essential decision. Every person faces an essential decision. Verses 29 to 31, we'll, we'll consider that. First of all, though, I want you to see that, that God sends his witnesses. We see this again in, in this man because notice in verse 27, he said, I beg you, 
Again, this is the rich man speaking from hell. I beg you, therefore, Father Abraham, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they too come to this place of torment. The rich man wanted Lazarus to, to go now to, uh, to his brothers. Because again, he, of course, he wanted them to. He wanted the, the, the Abraham to come and, and dip the, the, his uh, the finger in, in the water and, and to cool his tongue because he was in this place of torment. He thought of Ab- he still thought of Lazarus as a someone he could could perhaps uh, boss around and, and could be a servant to him. And then he wanted him to send uh, Lazarus to his brothers to to warn them about this place of torment. Again, the the. the uh, they were rich and, and they saw, even though Lazarus was there day after day and, and was a witness to them, no doubt, to the glory of God. Though he was poor, though he was suffering, he was still a servant of God. He was a witness of God and they'd heard his witness. They'd seen his, his walk and they knew that he had a relationship with God and yet they rejected his witness. And so God had already sent him to them as a witness and they had rejected it. They, they could never say that God had not sent them a witness. Can, do you know people that can that around you in your family or in your neighborhood, among your uh, co-workers, uh, do they know you as a witness? Do they know you as someone who's proclaiming to them the gospel at every opportunity that you're showing love and concern and compassion of Christ, that you're backing up your witness with a godly walk, that you're demonstrating Christ? Are you doing that? These men knew that Lazarus was that kind of witness. So, so he's saying, please send Lazarus to them and, and to tell them uh, uh, about this place and to, so that they won't come here. And so, dear friend, I want to challenge you about the opportunities you have as a believer in Christ to, to take advantage of the opportunities that God gives you. Because again, your testimony will live on after death if you're a true child of God. But your opportunity, child of God, to share the gospel with your family, with your neighbor, with your coworkers, your opportunity is now. And so I encourage you, the Bible tells us that, that again, we, we are to take advantage of every opportunity. We're to make the most of every opportunity that God gives to us. We're talking about that in our class on evangelism because, again, we, uh, we, we have the, the, not only the responsibility but the privilege of being ambassadors for Christ. And we are to be so full of the gospel that every opportunity we have to proclaim the gospel, we're to do so. And because again, people, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Bible, Paul said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. So we need to avail ourselves of those opportunities. Romans 10, 14 and 15 says, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed, and how are they to believe on him of whom they have, not, have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Are you proclaiming the gospel? Are you using every opportunity that God gives you to warn people now about this terrible place called hell? That there is a a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, that there is a relationship with God that we have through Christ. Are you availing yourself even to religious people? I remind you, 
that this rich man was no doubt a religious man and that his brothers were no doubt, no doubt, quote, religious people because that's who Jesus was addressing here. They were religious but lost. And oftentimes we just think, well, that person goes to church, so they must be okay. Yeah, that person is a pretty good person, pretty decent. They must be all right. But dear friend, that is not true. And because people are trusting in the wrong things, if they're not trusting in Jesus, then their faith is misplaced. So again, God, God sends his witnesses to warn people about the truth of, of hell and the, tr- the truth of the gospel, more importantly. But secondly, I want you to see God speaks through his word. Again, we see in, in verse 29 when, again, he'd, he'd said to him that, uh, that uh, he, he said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, the one rise from the dead. He was saying to them, they have the word of God. If they won't listen to the word of God, then they won't listen to one who, if one rises from the dead and comes to them. Uh, Dear friend, that that shows us, again, the power of the Word of God. But again, to illustrate what, what Jesus is saying, we know that happened, didn't it? What about Lazarus? Lazarus was raised from the dead, right? Jesus raised Lazarus from the grave. And what, were the, what was the response of the religious people toward Lazarus? Did they say, oh, Jesus must be God? No. They reacted against Jesus. They, it, it just brought greater persecution upon Jesus. And not only did they, did they uh, even in a greater way want to put Jesus to death, but they even wanted to put Lazarus to death. They wanted to kill Lazarus too. Again, because the servant is not greater than his master. And so again, they didn't believe in Jesus because he raised one from the dead. And Lazarus could, did come back from the grave and could tell about what God had done for him. So Jesus illustrated really exactly what he's saying for us. Again, but the word of God is what God uses. That is why we must proclaim the gospel. That is why we proclaim the word of God. Again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That also should say something to us who say, well, you know, I am not much of a witness. I'm not very good at at proclaiming the gospel. So here's what I've heard many people say. So you know what I do? I just let my life shine. I just let people know by my life. Well, friend, I want to again tell you that's not the gospel, okay? That is not the gospel. The gospel must be proclaimed. The gospel must be spoken. The gospel must be shared. Now, it may be read. Uh, it, it, may, it may be read by someone. Uh, yes, you must have a walk again to back up your talk, but the gospel must be proclaimed. That is why we're offering this class on evangelism and why we can encourage you to know the gospel and to be saturated with the gospel, the word of God. And again, because the, uh, to, 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 this is what God has commanded and this is what God uses. And I want to say to you, uh, however, God has given you something. 
child of God. God has given you, and, and lost person here, those of you who are here without Christ, God has given you something here that most people don't have, and that is he has given you a testimony of someone who is in hell. He's given us in this story, and by the way, I didn't mention earlier, but many people believe because uh, this is the only parable that a name of someone is mentioned, Lazarus, that this was not, uh, this was a true story. Well, we know it's truth, right? It's true whether it was re- literally happened as this or not, but the fact that he has a name. So you have a testimony of a man in hell as well as one from heaven telling about what what God uh, has done. By the way, have you noticed in all the stories that we hear about people who say today that they have died? uh, Do you ever hear many of them saying they went to hell? Most of them uh, seem to indicate they, they, they went to heaven. I wouldn't put a lot of stock in those, okay? Because again, God says, that's not what I use. Uh, God says the Word of God is sufficient. Amen? We believe in the sufficiency of the Word of God. But we do have a testimony from the Word of God of one who died, one who died and went to heaven, one who died and went to hell, and we have their testimony of what it's, what it's like. And so again, uh, he didn't. you know what the man didn't say? He didn't say, wow, this is so much fun, I can't wait for my brothers to get here. Not at all, dear friend. He said, this is a place of torment. A place of torment. Please go warn my brothers. So friend, I want you to know there is someone speaking to you today. This man speaking to us from hell today saying, please go warn my brothers. Please go warn my family. Please go warn your neighbors. Please go warn the nations, the world. Please go warn them that this place is real and it's eternal and it's a place of torment. Please go warn Warn them and use the Word of God in doing so. And dear friend, I want to say to you, it was too late for this man. But if you're here today and you've never repented of your sin and placed your faith and trust in Christ as Lord and Savior, you still have breath in your body and it's not too late for you. And I want to call you today on the authority of the Word of God to repent of your sin and place your faith in trust in Christ. You say, well, I, I, I need more time. I need, I need to wait. And dear friend, to procrastinate, to say no, is to say no. And the Bible says in John 3, 18, Jesus said, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. You know, some people... As Dr. Rogers used to say, if it were possible, the Supreme Court would, would outlaw hell uh, as being cruel and unusual punishment. Uh, and I'm sure there'd be those who would want to do that. And maybe, it, maybe uh, if I weren't preaching through this book of the gospel, there would be those who would say, you know, why would you preach a message like this? Dear friend, again, because if, because if we truly know God and know the love of God, then because we know God loves people and God demonstrated that through the cross and through the empty tomb, then if we love people like God loves people, again, we want to warn them of this terrible place called hell. Dear friend, if you've never received Jesus, the Bible says you owe a debt that you can only pay in hell. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5, 8 says, But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we receive his payment, his payment in full, 
by grace, through faith, through repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 3.19 says, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. So if you're today, if, again, everyone in this room is in one of two categories. Everyone in this room has one of two destinies right now. Either right now, you're headed for eternal heaven because you've repented of your sin and placed your faith in Christ and Christ is Lord of your life and your life uh, gives evidence to that through fruit, through the evidence of Christ in your life. Not just that you were baptized, not just that your name is on a church roll somewhere, but that you not only have repented and believed, but what Scripture says, you give evidence of repentance. So are you one today who has assurance, yes, I'm, I'm headed for eternal heaven. I'm already seated with Christ, Scripture says, in the heavenly places because I'm in Christ. I'm going where He is, just like He promised me. Or, dear friend, you're headed for eternal hell. Not that you will, but the Bible says you are condemned already because you have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Again, are you trusting? What are you trusting in today? What, if you say, yes, I'm going to heaven. You see, these people were shocked at Jesus' statement. What? The, this rich man going to hell? The, the poor man going to heaven? That's all wrong. They didn't believe what Jesus said. And many people today are going to be shocked, just as the passage Hunter read. They're going to be shocked as they stand before Jesus one day. And Jesus says to them, depart from me. You workers of iniquity, I never knew you. But Lord, haven't we done all these wonderful things in your name, cast out demons? And we would say today, my name was on the roll, Lord. I attended the church. I sang in the choir. I worked in the nursery. I worked in VBS, Lord, all these things. And Jesus is going to say to them those tragic words, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And just like these People were shocked at what Jesus was saying about who was going to heaven and who was going to hell. There are going to be many on that day who are going to be shocked. Shocked. But dear friend, you have the privilege today in this room of hearing a preacher who's trying to faithfully preach the Word of God to you and say you don't have to be shocked. Because allow God to do what Scripture says to do. Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves to see whether you're of the faith. Examine yourselves today. And do not depart without Christ. Because once you leave this earth, your eternal destiny is sealed forever. So believer, will you today respond to this message by being obedient to take the message of the gospel to those who are lost? C.H. Spurgeon said, if sinners will be damned, at least let them leap over our bodies. And if they will perish... Let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. He said, if hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let not one go there unwarned or unprayed for. So believer friend, respond today in fulfilling your responsibility to proclaim the gospel. What an honor. What a privilege that God has given to us to be ambassadors for Christ. Who do you know today that needs this gospel? Who do you know that it's headed for eternal hell? What are you doing about it? And dear lost friend, please, please respond 
in repentance and faith. A Sunday school teacher told his class this story one day of rich man, the rich man and Lazarus. And then asked him, he said, now, now boys, which one would you rather be, the rich man or Lazarus? And the little boy, one of the boys said, well, I'd like to be the rich man while I'm living here and Lazarus when I die. Well, most would probably say, yeah, that's what I want. But you know, that's not an option. Because again, I guarantee you, Lazarus said, Jesus is enough. Christ is all I need. I don't have to have the world's riches because after all, I'm only passing through. This life is such a short life. It's just a drop in the bucket. It's, the Bible says it's just like a vapor and it's gone. And in eternity, what you had will not matter because you're not taking it with you. But do you have Jesus? Is Jesus your Lord? Have you repented? Have you believed? Have you trusted Christ? If not, we urge you to come to Jesus today in repentance and faith. And believers, we urge you today to surrender anew and afresh to be who you are. You see, if you're a believer, God already says about you, you shall be my witnesses. So just be who you are. Just live up to your name. Just be who you are and let the light of Christ shine through you and then proclaim the gospel. Be looking continuously for opportunities to make Christ. This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used his word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ Jesus, his death for you on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623 or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.